up next on Walking by Faith. And to be in Christ is not a matter of effort. It's not a matter of maturity, right? If anyone be in Christ, whether you've been in Christ for 50 years or 15 minutes, if anyone be in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And by the way, somebody says, yeah, but I've blown it a whole lot since I've been in Christ. That's why the Bible says that you're renewed every day. Hello, I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith and thank you for being with us today. We're going to begin a series of messages on redemption realities. What does it mean to be redeemed? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does the death of Jesus and his resurrection mean to you and to me? Someone at one time compared it to this. They said, it's like if you take a picture of your leg with a camera, you see one thing. But if you take a picture of that same leg with an x-ray camera, you see something totally different. And in the Gospels, you see a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But it's in the epistles that you see the x-ray picture. You see what happened in the Spirit. You know, God, the Bible says, was working in Christ. But he wasn't working on Christ. He was working on you and me. What Jesus did, he did as our substitute. And the Bible actually says that in God's eyes, God, Jesus took us to the cross with him. And we're going to be looking at what does redemption mean. Uh, this is going to be one of the most exciting series that we have ever done. And I believe that when we finish this series, when we finish even this message, you're going to have a new idea of who you are as a Christian and what belongs to you. So would you come with me right now as we participate in this message right as it begins. This series, I believe, is going to put like spiritual meat on your bones. Right? This, is, this is meat and potatoes stuff. It's in, we've entitled it Redemption Realities. But really, we're going to be talking about who you are in Christ and what belongs to you in Christ. Now, we're going to begin in the book of Philemon, just a little book right in front of the book of Hebrews, one chapter. We're going to start with verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, it says that your faith may become effectual. You know, a lot of Christians, if they were to look at their life, they would say, you know, I don't know if my faith has done anything. You know, I'm, uh, I guess I'm going to heaven when I die. But other than that, I don't think my faith has changed my life at all. But the Bible says your faith will become effectual or more powerful. We say it this way, produce results. But how? By the acknowledging of every good thing. Now, notice it says every good thing. There's more than one good thing. More than one good thing that's in you in Christ. Most Christians, I want you to just in your mind, don't, don't lift your hand, but think, can, can you think of five good things that are in you in Christ? Five things that are different because you're in Christ. Can you think of that? Now, now the Bible says every good thing which is in you in Christ. Now, now, by the way, that, that, those, those three words, 
in Christ or in Christ Jesus, they're found 130 times in the New Testament. And those verses will tell you 130 things that you have in Christ. All right? 130 of them are mentioned just in those scriptures that say, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in him, in whom? All right? Now, most Christians don't know five. But your faith will not produce results. It will not be powerful. It will not be effectual unless you acknowledge those good things that are in you in Christ Jesus. Right? So if we want to have a powerful, powerful Christian life, let me just say it like this. Jesus did not rise from the dead. He did not go to the cross, right? defeat the devil, rise and be ascended into heaven, and then go, I sure hope this will help you a little bit. You know, in some way, I hope that this will affect your life. No, 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 no. Now, when Jesus arose from the dead, this was like, this is going to change everything. All right. And you are, the Bible says, in Christ. And by the way, you look better in Christ than you do out of him. And if you don't know that, it's just, you just have not seen Christ lately. You know, in your mind, he's still up there on a crucifix with a, a crown of thorn on his head. But when John saw him in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, the Bible said he fell down like one who was dead. Right? He is seated at the right hand of Almighty God. All right? And you are in Christ, in union with him. Right? Your faith is energized, becomes powerful, produces results when you acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus, right? So you do not, listen, you do not get the benefits in your faith of what you're ignorant of. So I can say it this way. There is no ignorant faith. Think about that. If you're ignorant of it, your faith does not work. Why? Because faith comes by hearing in hearing by the word of God, literally the word about Christ, right? So there's no ignorant faith, and then there's no quiet faith, right? You say, why do you say that? Because when Jesus taught his disciples about faith, in Mark 11, verse 23, this is what Jesus said. He said, verily I say to you that whosoever will say, whosoever will say. First thing Jesus said about faith is that it is talking, and here it says it's, you've got to be acknowledging, right? So there is no ignorant faith. There's no quiet faith. And by the way, there's no mad faith. You say, why do you say that? Because Jesus goes on in Mark 11, and the first thing he says every time that you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive, right? Faith is not mad. Faith forgives. And by the way, there's no sad faith. That would make a good series sermon series. No ignorant faith, no quiet faith, no mad faith, no sad faith. Because the Bible talks about the joy of faith. The joy of faith. When you're in faith, you've got some joy. Philemon 1.6, different translation. I pray that everyone who meets you may catch your faith and learn from you how wonderful it is to live in Christ. Now notice he says everyone who meets you catch your faith. You know, your faith should be contagious. 
Unfortunately, with most Christians, it is not true. Most Christians, it looks like they have been baptized in lemon juice. Uh-huh. You see them and they're like, mm, man, it's hard to be a Christian. It's tough. You're like, I don't know what they've got, but I won't want any of it. Right? But the Bible says your faith should be contagious. Right? And how does it get contagious? As you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. It says that they'll learn from you how wonderful it is to live in Christ. Again, all these good things, every good thing that's in you in Christ. And unfortunately, most of us as Christians, we do not know who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ. Over 130 verses in the New Testament deal with who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ. So your faith should become contagious. The Amplified Version says, and I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote the full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that's ours in our identification with Christ Jesus. Now, notice the Bible talks about your identification with Christ. Most of us understand that Jesus was our substitute, but that's all that we understand, substitution. But the Bible takes it a full another step to identification, right? Some of you to go into work, you've got to have an ID card just to get in, right? So this is who I am, right? I belong, I am part of this organization. And literally your identification with Christ is similar to that. Now you may not know this and you may not like this because you're an American, all right? And you did not get to vote about this, all right? But you had a representative that you did not get to vote for. Did you know that? And his name was Adam, and he married a woman named Eve, and he lived in a garden. And the Bible says that he was your representative man. And how many of you know he represented you and got you in a lot of trouble? When we get to heaven, we're going to talk to him. All right? Why did you guys do this? All right? His name was Adam. Now, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that there's two Adams. Did you know that? There was a first Adam, and then there was a last. The Bible calls him the last Adam. He is the second representative man. And the Bible says that he is the Lord from heaven. How many of you know his name? Jesus came as a representative man. And he represented you. The first Adam represented you and got you into trouble. But the last Adam represented you and got you out of trouble. That's probably the simplest way that we can say that. And the Bible says you're identified with him. Now, what we want to do as Christians, we want to find out what is it that he did for us? And what is it more than that he did for us that in God's eyes we did with him? Now, if you took your, your, your phone out, And you came over and you took a picture of my foot. You'd see a black pair of shoes that I shined this morning, black socks, and pants that used to be black. That's what you'd see. But if we took a different camera, an x-ray camera, you would see something completely different, but it would be the same foot, but totally different. Now, in the Gospels, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get a picture like you were standing there, like you took your camera out and you see what happened at the cross. But you see it just like you'd see my foot. But when you read the epistles, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, you get an x-ray picture of what happened at the cross. You don't see what happened in the natural realm. You see what happened in the spiritual realm. You see what God was doing at the cross. Now, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So at the cross, God was working in Christ, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. God was working in Christ, but God was not working on Christ. How many of you know Jesus didn't need any work? All right. He was already perfect. He was already everything God wanted him to be. But he was working in Christ, but he wasn't working on Christ. He was working on you and me. All right. So he was working in Christ, but not for Christ, but for us. Working in Christ, not on Christ, on us. John 12, verse 32. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Verse 33. This he said, signifying the death that he would die. I've heard a number of times people use this verse. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people into myself. He said, they said, you know, we need, to, we need to lift Jesus up. We need to worship Jesus. We need to praise Jesus. And he'll draw all people unto himself. That is not at all what this verse is talking about. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw or take all people into myself. He's saying, just like the first Adam represented everybody, when I'm lifted up on a cross, this he spoke signifying his death. He said, I will draw all people into myself and I will be a representative for all people. Right? You see, you're in union with Christ. When you see those words in Christ, some translations actually say it this way, in union with Christ. It means you are in union with him in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. You know, in God's plan, we are joint heirs together with him. And we are, what Jesus, again, God was working in Christ, but not on Christ. He was working so we could have the identical blessing, victory, authority of Christ. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. This, I have decided, is my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Probably for more than a week or two. Because it does change from time to time. But over the years, I would say this is my favorite scripture. I remember years ago, this is probably 20, over 20 years ago, I did a series on this verse. And I think I preached on this verse for four months. And uh, there was a great woman in the church. She was a, she was a wonderful lady. And uh, she came up to me, and I was going to preach on this again that Sunday. And she came up to me and she says, if you say one more time, open your Bible to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, you are a new creature. She says, I will scream. She says, I'll scream if you do it one more time. And, and I thought, well, I think you're starting to get it, but I doubt it. <laughs> so you may, you may hear this one for a while. Therefore, if any man, any 
person of the translation say? Be in Christ. He is a new creature. Some translations say a new creation. One translation says a brand new species of being that never existed before. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Again, when Jesus arose from the dead, he did not go, I hope this will help you a little bit in some of your problems. Right? What the Bible says is that when you're in union with him, that old things are gone. And behold, all things have become new. Now it says, if anyone be in Christ, not trying to be, not going to be someday, not ought to be, not want to be, right? But if anybody be, how many have ever been to the hospital to see somebody who just had a baby? Right? You know, when you go over to that nursery section and they got all those little babies in there, you know? There's not a sign that says trying to be human being. Going to be a human being, ought to be human being. <laughs> Someday going to be a human being. How many know they just be? They just be, right? And to be in Christ is not a matter of effort. It's not a matter of maturity, right? If anyone be in Christ, whether you've been in Christ for 50 years or 15 minutes, if anyone be in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And by the way, somebody says, yeah, but I've blown it a whole lot since I've been in Christ. That's why the Bible says that you're renewed every day. You're renewed every day. Right? The Apostle Paul talking about himself in 2 Corinthians 12 said, I know a man in Christ. When he thought about himself, this is how he thought about himself. I am in Christ. I'm in union with Christ. I thought I was thinking about this week. I think if we came up to the Apostle Paul and said, how are you? He'd go, in Christ. How are you? In Christ. That's how I am. And there's a whole lot of things I could tell you about that. He said, I got 130 things I could tell you about being in Christ. Right? Again, unfortunately, as Christians, most of us couldn't name five. But your faith becomes effectual. It produces results when you know and you acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus. That the communication of your faith may become effectual, produce results by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ. You know, a lot of people go through an identity crisis. You know, get to be middle-aged, buy a red sports car. You know, or do whatever. I mean, I, the, the crazy things people try to do to find themselves, you know. And most of the time, they're going farther away from themselves. You know, what they're finding is what the world says that they are. And what they're finding is what the flesh says that you are. And by the way, I can tell you about your flesh already. It's crazy. All right. But if you want to find out who you are, you're going to find out who you are in Christ. That's where you're going to find out who you are. And, and I, I can say this, when you find out who Christ is, you'll find out who you are. You see, when Jesus said to his disciples, whom do men say that I am? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist and some say you're Elijah or one of the other prophets risen from the dead. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, then, he said, Peter, 
They say that, you, you know, you're Simon, you're just a little rock, but I'm telling you, you're a big rock. You know, when he found out who he was, was when he found out who Jesus was. Jesus told him who he was when he found out who Jesus was. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. So it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I have been, or other translations, I was crucified with Christ. In God's eye, Jesus did not go to the cross alone. He took you with him. You were at the cross with him. You died with him. You were buried with him. And Jesus took your death, your curse, your oppression, your guilt, your condemnation, your sin, and you rose together with him. Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are you? In Christ Jesus. He's made us sit together. You see, God wants us to have the identical blessing. Another translation of Galatians 2.20, I consider myself to have died and now enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. Jesus took you to the cross. God was in Christ, but he wasn't working on Christ. He was working on you. And everything Jesus did, he didn't do for himself. He did for you. Now, I want to close with Romans chapter 1. In verse 16, which says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. It says the gospel is the power. Got that? What is the power? The gospel. The gospel is the power. We, we tend to think that the power is a lot of other things. We're praying for the power. We're singing for the power. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. You do not want to hear me sing, do you? <laughs> I am the guy who they asked to quit the volunteer choir in seventh grade. You know, but we're singing for the power and we're praying for the power and we're hoping for the power, right? In fact, I, I know of people who's like, you know, I wish you'd quit preaching so that, you know, we'd get prayed for and something would happen. And I'm, I'm you know, we just want, we want, we, we want the, we want the power. And I'm like, I wish you would start believing so I could quit preaching. <laughs> because th what is the power? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. For who? For everyone who believes. This is what it means. The same power, spiritual power and energy that was in the event is available to you or is manifested for you when you believe the message. The gospel is the message of what Jesus did for you, in you, 
in his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. And it is the power of God. And when you believe the message of the gospel, the same power, the Bible says, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It is the same power that comes available that was in the event. It's available to you when you believe the message. We can just call gospel things a God moment, a supernatural moment, because the same power that was in the event, the Bible says, is available when you believe the message. That power, the same power, right? And we're going to be talking in the weeks ahead about what the power of God did in Christ. You know, as you've been listening to this message, if on the inside, in your heart, you're saying, you know, I need to get back to God or I want to be right with God. Maybe you've, you've drifted away. Maybe you have never, ever surrendered your life to God. You've never received the forgiveness that Jesus has for you. If that's the case, I want you to bow your head. Pray this prayer with me from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I receive him today as my Savior and my Lord. I'm going to live for him every day. Thank you for blood washing me from my sin and making me a new person on the inside. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, you're forgiven, you're right with God, you're on your way to heaven. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually, and I want to send it to you free of charge. All you need to do is contact us. All the information is right there on your screen. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you. As we approach the year end, I want to give you a special opportunity to sow a seed into this ministry. For your year end gift to Walking by Faith, it will help us communicate God's word and his heart to people all around the world. And it will make a difference in people's lives for eternity. So if this program is blessing you spiritually, won't you please give your best gift to be a blessing to others so they can hear the gospel. Just take a moment and pick up your phone or go to the website. All the information you need is right there on your screen. Give a special year-end gift that will be used to win souls, heal hearts, and transform lives. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.